0: The following message is from the Audio Ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome, welcome to Coastal. You know, I want to be honest with you. Sometimes when I'm sitting on the front row and just uh, into worship and the music and the lyrics, and uh, I mean, honestly, sometimes I feel like I'm like I'm like a fighter, you know, before coming out to a boxing match. And I'm just ready. And the music's pumping and, and like, it's not about me. Cause like it's, this is, uh, anyway, I mean, I'm just pumped to be here. I'm glad you guys are here. And, uh, God's doing something amazing in our church. And, uh, I'm just uh, honored and humbled to be a part of it. So, and the cool thing is, I already know we've kicked Satan in the teeth, and we win, so uh, I, I, I won. he won the fight for us, so that's good. We are in week uh, five of this series called The Seven Deadly Sins, and uh, we've been talking about, you know, again, if you grew up in a church tradition where this is somewhat familiar to you, might not be, maybe you just know the movie, uh, Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman, um, but uh, over the years, traditionally, the church uh, has talked about uh, these, uh, these seven deadly sins. They're not listed this way in Scripture by any means, but uh, they're definitely uh, sin that we all deal with. And we talked about that last week how uh, we all have issues and we're all, we're all sinners in need of a Savior. And we've all committed all of these, um, but. Uh, Uh, that leads us to the Savior, Jesus. And so we're not just talking about the sin, we're talking about how God wants to deal with it and replace it with something better. So today we're talking about the deadly sin uh, of anger. And to do that, I wanna begin by looking at Um, a passage of scripture from Matthew chapter five. Now, whether you're a longtime believer, grew up in the church, or you've never darkened the door of a church, you have probably heard of this teaching. This is uh, the most famous sermon that Jesus ever gave. This is where this passage is from, called the Sermon on the Mount. And again, probably most people have at least heard that. This is what Jesus says here in the very beginning, Matthew chapter five. He says, You have heard that the law of Moses says, do not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. Now, I imagine that there were people there that day listening to this who thought, well, duh, Jesus, you know. Of course, if I murder somebody, I'm subject to judgment. You know, you're supposed to be this great teacher. I hope you've got something a little bit more profound than that to say. So Jesus continues. He says, but I say, if you are angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. Whoa, three little words. But I say, Jesus just raises it to a whole nother level. He goes on to say, if you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the high council. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Jesus is saying, listen, you wanna follow me, you gotta take your life to a higher level of living. You know what the law says. You're all familiar with the law. But what I'm telling you is, If you're angry at someone unjustly, you're subject to that exact same judgment. Now, at first glance, that seems a little harsh, doesn't it? It almost seems, honestly, impossible. I mean, why in the world would Jesus say this? Well, there are a couple of reasons why I think Jesus might be so hard on this deadly sin of anger. I think, first of all, Jesus knew that anger, like the other deadly sins so often leads to more destructive things in our lives. And we've talked about that a little bit. Remember, pride, you know, thinking that you're better than people and you look down on people to the point where you don't need anyone can lead to abuse or racism. Envy can lead to bitterness and resentment, even resentment toward God. Anger can lead to murder. Greed can lead to living beyond your means or uh, getting into debt, or even robbery or theft. Lust can lead to pornography, adultery, affairs. And so here's Jesus saying, hey, you cannot harbor anger in your heart because it's gonna cause you to make some huge mistakes in your life and it's gonna lead to other terrible things. But I don't think that's the only reason why Jesus warns us. Unresolved anger ultimately is a spiritual issue. And it will literally destroy you from the inside out. Uh, In fact, uh, the philosopher Seneca described anger as this he said, It is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than to anything on which it is poured. That's true. Ultimately, in other words, if you don't deal with your anger, you are the one who is hurt. You are the one who's going to pay the price. People aren't going to want to be around you. You know, unresolved anger leads to uh, heart issues, high blood pressure. And then here's the truth, and some of you know this. It makes you a miserable person. Now look at me just for a moment. There are some of you here today, and you're just ticked off. You're angry. You're angry at a specific person. You're angry at a specific situation. You're angry at your boss. You're angry at a friend, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a spouse. Maybe they betrayed you. You're angry. Maybe you're angry at church in general. Maybe you're angry at this church and you're holding on to it. There's some of you that are just angry at everything. And the truth is you really don't know why. You're constantly mad. You're constantly losing your temper and everyone around you that you say you love, they would say that they're walking around on what? Eggshells. pins and needles, because you're like a volcano. Now, let me, let me begin by saying this. In and of itself, anger is not a sin. I think God puts anger within us, that emotion for a reason. I think there are some healthy reasons. Anger helps us to respond to threats. It helps us to respond to injustice. Uh, Jesus was angry at times. But it's why we get angry. It's how we express it. It's how we deal with it that determines whether or not it's healthy or unhealthy, positive or negative, sinful or righteous. And so today, just like we've done in the past with each one of these, I want us to talk about... Uh, first of all, some responses to it. You know, how do you respond? How can you respond um, to anger? And I want to be very clear that anger, how you respond really is a choice, okay? You have a choice to respond in one of at least five ways. Now, most of these that I'm going to give you are not positive at all. They're unhealthy, they're negative, um, and we'll talk about a positive way at the end. But the first way that you can respond to your anger is quite frankly, you can just satisfy it. I mean, you can just, you know, just give into it. You can, and what I mean is, you don't just get mad, you get what? You get even, right? You, you, you get revenge. Somebody says something bad about you, you say something bad about them. Somebody stabs you in the back, man, you are gonna turn around and stab them in the back. You're vengeful. Now, the problem with that is that you're leaving no room for God. You're pushing God right out of the equation. In fact, as a believer, Romans 12, 19 says, do not take vengeance, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. God will sort it out, is what he's saying there. Now, I'm gonna come back to that later on, but just understand, first of all, that ultimately revenge doesn't make you feel better in the long haul. It makes you feel worse. And it it creates a cycle, a circle of of violence and destruction. So, but you can satisfy it. Number two, you can express it, okay? Which is you just let it out. This is where you curse out the person who cuts you off in traffic. This is where you you yell at your your spouse or your kids when they irritate you or frustrate you. You have a, a short fuse or no fuse and you just let people have it. Now, be honest for a second. Don't have to answer this out loud, but think in your mind for a second. How often do you lose your temper in a week and let somebody have it? Recent studies have shown that women lose their temper an average of three times a week, okay? And men lose their temper an average of six times a week. I know some of you are elbowing the person next to you and you're thinking, you do that in an afternoon, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you're overachievers. You're way above average in this area. Um, Proverbs fifteen eighteen says, Hot tempers start fights. I like this next part. A calm, cool spirit keeps the peace. So you can satisfy it, you know, revenge. You can express it, you can vent it. Or number three, you can displace it. You can displace it. Now this is where you take out your anger on someone or something that has nothing to do with it. This is where you're at work somebody ticks you off, you're having a bad day, your boss makes you angry, whatever, and you get angry, but then you go home and you yell at your spouse. And then your spouse turns around and they yell at the kids, and the kid kicks the dog, okay? Now, I mean, it's not fair that the dog gets kicked. Now, if it was a cat, it's another story, but, oh, I'm just joking. Um, but, no, I'm not really. But, But that's displaced anger. That's when you take your anger out on things and people that have absolutely nothing to do with it. Ecclesiastes 7.9 says, don't be eager in your heart to be angry, for anger is a friend of fools. It's foolish. Now, do you have people in your life who have ever said this to you? Why are you taking this out on me? If they have you might be dealing with displaced anger. Number four, these are really two, but they're very similar, but a little different. I'll explain. We can repress or suppress it. We can repress or suppress our anger. To repress means you just, you stuff it down. You hold it inside. Um, Someone makes you angry, you just kind of grin and bear it. And you push it down and you create a nice little ball and you stuff it in your stomach and it becomes an ulcer, okay? And, uh, but eventually you're gonna explode. Now suppressing means you don't just stuff it down, you pretend it's not there. You know, you, uh, you hold on to it but you don't really deal with it and you act like you didn't get hurt. You pretend like everything's okay. Um, and then what happens is the anger eventually comes up, but you don't know why you're getting angry because you've pushed it down. You've, you've suppressed it. You ever blow up at people and you don't really know why? It might be because you've suppressed something. And, and the, really my point of all of these is that, you see, if you allow even just a little bit of anger, a little bit of unresolved anger to settle in your heart, and you don't deal with it. Man, it is going to grow into a weed of resentment and bitterness. And it is going to destroy not only you, but the people you say you care about. The only way to defeat it is to be ruthless with it. To weed it out. Look at what Ephesians 4 says. You've, you've heard this verse before maybe. Um, and don't let sin, excuse me, don't sin by letting anger. Gain control over you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. Now the truth is, the principle here is that, I mean, obviously sometimes your anger might be so great, the issues are so big, you're not gonna get rid of all of it in one in one night. But what this is saying is, you have got to be ruthless with this. Don't let it get a foothold. Don't let it get a grip on you. In fact, don't you go to bed you know, if there's, if you think about somebody you feel angry towards, you've got to forgive them. You've got to deal with it. Do your best to get rid of it before a day goes by so it doesn't destroy you. Now, look at the list so far. Satisfy, express, displays, repress, suppress. None of those are good. None of them are healthy. They're not the right way to deal with anger. Ultimately... God wants to take it from you, and he wants, number five, he wants you to give it to him. Not give it to the other person. Give it to God. Ultimately, it's a spiritual issue. In fact, look at this next verse. And I, you, you've heard this verse before, but I want you to think about it in terms today of unresolved anger. Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28. And Jesus said... Come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens. Some of you are tired because you're angry all the time. He says, if, you're, if, you, if you've got this burden, if you're carrying it, if you're carrying anger, come to me and I will give you rest. By the way, you see there, Jesus never says, hey, quit being angry, you should never be angry. He doesn't say that, he doesn't do that, but he does say, come to me with your baggage. Give it to me, give me your anger and I can replace that anger. I'll give you my rest. What is he saying? I will give you my presence, my peace, my power, my patience, but you have to come to him and you've got to give it to him first. So let's talk about how you do that. Let me give you four steps. I want to make this very practical today. Tomorrow, I want this to make sense. Number one, identify what triggers your anger. Identify what triggers your anger. Now, all of you C, uh, good CWP, gun-toting rednecks. No, no, and by the way... Coastal Community Church on Sunday morning is probably the safest place to be in West Ashley, okay? Um, by the way, if you are carrying in a house of work, worship, legally, you have, to, uh, you have to contact the leader of that house of worship so you can get express permission to carry in a place of worship. So there. Um, so make sure you let, let me know that you're caring so we can give you permission and so that we can contact the security team and let them know what that big bulge is on your back pocket. So anyway, now you had that little commercial. Um, everybody knows what a trigger is, right? A trigger. It's, a, you know, it's just a small piece of metal, but when that trigger is pulled, it creates or causes a what? A little explosion that propels a bullet forward in what could be a lethal or deadly trajectory. Okay? Now, when we talk about triggers and your anger, a trigger could be the person or the circumstance in your life that, when present, creates a what? A little explosion of anger that could lead you to do or say something that could be lethal, damaging, or hurtful. Now... So one of the keys to controlling your anger is just to know what triggers your anger so that you can be ready. You can be prepared so that possibly you can even avoid those situations. Now, some situations cannot be avoided. And by the way, some triggers are positive. Again, you see an injustice and bam, you are motivated to do something positive about it. You're, you're, you have a righteous anger and that's a good reason to be anger, but. I just think we all need to be honest with each other. Most of the time, our anger is not triggered by injustice. Most of the time, our anger is triggered by something personal and selfish. For instance, what triggers your anger more? Knowing that there are homeless children in our city? Or is it the person who drives 10 miles an hour an hour under the speed limit in the fast lane when you're trying to get to work and you're late? Do you get more angry when you hear someone using the name of Jesus as a swear word at a sporting event? Or when you're waiting in line at Walmart because the cashier seems to be incompetent? When do you get more angry? See, I think if we're honest, most of the time our anger is about, it's about me. And it's not about God. It's not about injustice. Most of the time our anger is selfish. And let me make this very, very clear. Just because your trigger is present, that's not an excuse for you to get angry. If you're exploding in anger, it's not because someone else pulled the trigger It's because you did. That's not not an excuse. Proverbs 19.11 says, people with good sense restrain their anger. They earn esteem by overlooking wrongs. Everybody in this room has been wronged at one time or another. People with good sense restrain their anger. You earn esteem by overlooking things. Number two, pause and pray when your temper is rising. Thomas Jefferson once said, when you're angry, count to 10. When you're very angry, count to 100. And if you're still angry, keep on counting. I think that's pretty good advice because anger causes you typically to do something out of emotion without thinking. And so what he's saying is that when you feel your temper rising, just pause for a moment. If you have to, count so that you can control your emotions. It might mean you leaving the room. It might mean you remove yourself from that situation. What I'm not saying is today when you get home, when you're talking to your spouse, you start going, one, two, three, four. No, don't do that, okay? But pausing it just might mean the difference between you saying something foolish and hurtful that you're going to regret and keeping your cool. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. Now, pausing is not going to remove the anger, but again, it might help you from saying something foolish. But that's why you have to go to the second part, which is pray. I know some of you are thinking, Pastor Chris, if I'm in the heat of the moment, I'm not going to have a devotional time. You know, I'm not going to have a quiet time. That's not what I'm saying here. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying, you just, in your heart, in your mind, you shoot a one-sentence prayer to God. You say, God, I'm getting angry. Help me. It might literally be just, God, help. You know, I'm, I'm getting angry. Help me to control my anger. Help me not to say something I'll regret. Help me to walk away. Actually, this is uh, the verse is wrong. It's not four twenty nine. It's fourteen twenty nine, and it says, "Those who control their anger have great understanding. Uh, those with a hasty temper, in other words, they fly off the handle, will make mistakes. You will do and say things that you will regret. So, look at this list. Identify your triggers. Pause. Walk away if you have to. Pray. Ask God for help." And then this is the one that you're not going to like very much. It's very difficult, but I'm telling you, in giving your anger to God, this is important. You can't skip this. Number three, leave the vengeance to God and respond with love. If you are hurt, it is really hard to let go of that. We've all been there. Some of you more deeply than others. It's hard. It's hard to let go of that anger. It's hard to forgive. It's hard to let God handle the situation. And you feel like it's just easier for me to take care of it. But the Bible says don't do that. Leave room for God. And then, but he doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop with just don't take vengeance. This is so radical. Instead, Respond with kindness. Okay, go back to Romans 12. First of all, he begins with, if it is possible as far as it depends on you. Aren't you glad he said that? What he's saying there, and and you know this. I mean, in other words, if he says, if it is possible, what what does he mean? There's sometimes what? It's not possible. But, as far as you go, as far as you can take care of, as far as your side of the equation. He says, do this. Live at peace with everyone. Don't take revenge. Leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Now, that's difficult in and of itself, but he doesn't stop there. This is so radical. Listen to this. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, what? If he's thirsty, what? He says, in doing this, you will keep burning coals on his head. Now, this passage says that ultimately, it's God's job to sort things out. It's his responsibility, not mine. And if I take vengeance in my own hands, what I'm doing, what you're doing is... You, you are pushing God out and you are taking on his role in the universe. And I don't know about you, but <laughs> you know one of the lessons that seems I've learned and maybe I have to relearn over and over again is I'm not God. And when I try to be, it never works out well. I mean, it just, it never works. I always get myself into trouble. And then the Bible says that if, you, if you've got to talk to somebody who has angered you, If you're going to deal with it, go ahead and do it, but do it in a way that they would never, ever in a million years expect. You ready for this? Be really nice to them. Buy them a present. Send them flowers. Not the dead black ones, okay? That's not what we're talking about. Um, he's saying, go above and beyond what you would even do for a friend. And when we do this, the Bible says, it's like you're dumping burning coals on their head. The person, it means that the person you are angry with, who has treated you unfairly, they're gonna be completely baffled. They're gonna think you're crazy, one. And secondly, they might just be ashamed. So what he's saying is, you know, really, if you want to get back at somebody who's treated you unfairly, kindness is more successful than punching them in the face. He says, that, and listen, here's what, you know, on top of that, when you and I are kind to people, you know what you're doing? You're breaking the cycle of violence and destruction. Rather than... Just things keep escalating and escalating. You know, you do something, they do something back. You do something. Remember that scene from the movie, um, The Untouchables? And there's that scene where Sean Connery is, you know, telling the, you know, the guy, hey, if if you mean business here, if we're going to go in, we're going to go all in. And that means, you know, you come to a fight, they, you know, they bring a fist, you bring a bat. You bring, they bring a bat, you bring a gun. They bring a gun, we bring a machine gun. Remember that, right? And that's, that's what I'm talking about here. It's that, it's that cycle of destruction and violence. And then, if you do something kind, the cycle is broken. You end it right there. Now, I think when you first hear that, that, you know, I'm going to respond to mistreatment with loving kindness, you think you're being weak. You think that's a sign of weakness. And it's just the opposite. I'm not telling you to accept it as okay. I'm not telling you to, you know, know, to belittle what happened to you, that it wasn't real, that it was okay, that it was right. None of that. This is, truthfully, this is power. This is power under control. This is not you accepting the situation. What you're doing is you're trusting God to take care of it. You're trusting that he's going to sort it out. I mean, truthfully, he's the only one that can. He's the only one that really knows. He's the only one that knows people's hearts. Number The last one. Repair the damage already done. Repair the damage already caused by my anger. Now there's some of you here today and you have already messed up royally in this area. And you have unleashed your anger on people in your life and you have hurt them and you have hurt your relationship with them. Look at what Matthew says. Well, look what Jesus says in Matthew 5. Now, remember, go back to verse 22, where, remember he said, "Look, okay, if you're angry with somebody, you know, unjustly, uh, you're subject to the same judgment as if you had committed murder. And then right after that, he continues by saying, in verse 23, so, If you're standing before the altar in the temple, offering a sacrifice to God, and suddenly you remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there beside the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, and then come back and offer your sacrifice to God. Now I think, you know, again, this is one of those passages where when we first hear it, we think, we you know, okay, this has really no application to me. Temple, sacrifice, offering, it's a little confusing. Don't miss what Jesus is saying here. And that is, if your anger has caused you to hurt somebody, don't pretend like you're going to come and cozy up to God. Don't pretend like there is not sin that is right there between you and God don't come to church and act like everything's right because you know in your heart it's not so what he's saying is before you come and expect to be all close to God and receive his blessing in your life you gotta make this right you gotta do your part You've got to apologize. You've got to take care of it. That's, that's exactly what Jesus is saying. Now, don't forget that phrase, whenever possible. Because sometimes it's not possible. Some of you have got suppressed anger in your heart from your childhood, and the person that you need to forgive is not even alive but maybe you need to write that letter. that's never mailed. But maybe there's a phone call. Maybe there's a visit that needs to, needs to happen. But here, you know, sometimes, it's, it, sometimes though the other person's not gonna reconcile and a visit or a conversation is gonna make things worse. I understand that. Sometimes they won't forgive, but you know what? That's okay. You gotta do your part. And If you do that, even if they don't forgive, even if it's not reconciled, if you do everything you can do, God says, man, you come to me. I will forgive you for your part. I will give you a clear conscience. Remember, what did Jesus say? Come to me. Those of you who are tired and carrying heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. I know there's some of you here today and you have anger issues. You get angry way too often and it's making you miserable. It's making the people in your life miserable. It's truthfully, if, if you'd be honest, it's making you miserable. It's making you unable to enjoy life. It's causing you to bring pain to the very people you say you care about and maybe you've got a marriage or a dating relationship or a friendship or a job that is on the brink because of your anger. I want you to know today there is hope and there is healing. God wants to take that sin of anger, if you will give it to him and he will replace it with his peace, his patience and his very presence. But you got to give it to him. Maybe you're here today and you've never made peace with God. You've never asked Jesus to come into your life. You can do that today. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church,